He'd studied in the United States and actually taught in New York City and went back to Germany where he was arrested. And all of a sudden he lost everything. Everything that he had built around him in his life, everything that had come to, in a way, define who he was. And when he was in prison, he asked the question. He, he wrote down what he was feeling at that time. This is what he said. He said, who am I? They often tell me I stepped from my cell's confinement calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They also tell me I bore the days of misfortune equably, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I then really that which other men tell of? Or am I only what I myself know of myself? Who am I? This or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once? Now that really is the modern question, isn't it? That we're asking today. Well, like, who am I? What, what's my identity? And if you think about it, it sounds very strange, I mean, step back for a moment. How shocking is that? What other creatures are not quite sure who they are? But this is where we are. It's like we've lost our very selves. How can that be? Yet this is where we live. And you may say, okay, well, why is this so important to get right? Well, I like what one writer, Jackie Hill Perry said. She said, how you identify yourself will shape how you live, how you na navigate your life. Would you pray together with me? Let's pray. Father, how could it be that we've been created by you in your image and you put such glory upon us and we don't know who we are. We don't know our value, our significance. Lord, it's as if we become, become detached, untethered from the reality that you placed upon us when you made us. And so I pray today, Lord, as we have an opportunity to look at your word, will as you invite us to learn this way of life from Jesus that leads to true freedom. And we thank you, Lord, for this time to be together to worship the joy of worship, of taking our bearings from your truth and, and knowing who we are because you're our Father. And we pray together in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, we might ask, you know, how do we get here as human beings? I mean, how do we get to the place where, like, we have to go in search of ourselves? I have to go and find myself. How could this possibly happen? Tim Keller, you see a pastor of Tim, he, he died a couple of months ago, tells the story of what happened to his grandfather. His grandfather grew up in Italy, actually in Naples. And he told about the day when he went to his own father and he told his father that he didn't want to be a potter. Now, his father was a potter. His grandfather had been a potter. And his great-grandfather, his family had always had a business of making pottery for everybody else. And so when he asked his father, his father says, well, our family makes pottery. That is who we are. The reality is that's who you're going to be. That's the job that our family does. And he learned that if he wanted to be different, he only had three possibilities. 
He could go into the military. He could become a potter like his dad and his, his grandfather and his great-grandfather. Or he could become a priest. And so you know what he did? He came to America. He came here. Right? Because you can be what you want. You don't have the constraints of your family and where you grew up. Because his father, he also told his dad, well, I'll just move somewhere in Italy. And he said, no, no, that other place, they'll say, you don't belong over there here. You belong back with your own family. You're, you're not welcome here. But he found in the United States this amazing freedom. And that's part of what we celebrate this weekend, right? It's long July 4th weekend. This freedom that we have. But the reality of this freedom is like a double-edged sword. I like what the Polish sociologist, he's a cool picture of him, his name is Zagmet Bauman. He explains the cultures like this. Traditional communities, that is like Tim Keller's grandfathers, where, while, um, are rivers, they're rivers. While modern societies are oceans. A river has a direction and carries you along with the current, just as traditional societies direct their members in a particular way. In modern societies, there is no current. We can choose to go any direction, no direction, or to shift direction with every change of winds. Now, you may say, well, this is wonderful. I mean, I can be anything I want to be. I can go do whatever I want to. I can live wherever I want to live. But the reality is most people explain this experience as crushing. And the reason is because without any direction from family or those around you, we feel the immense burden of having to create our own identity, our identity for ourselves. And by the way, we have to be unique and self-made. And this makes us anxious, especially when we're told we will find all of the answers inside of us. We must find a unique story and a special identity that at once stands out, but also somehow fits in. It has to do both. And we just can't do it. And of course, when that happens, we try to define ourselves through the things in our lives. It may be a career you pursue or stuff that you've accumulated. Our lives feel thin because then we feel like we have very little meaning. Our, our identities feel shallow and flimsy. And that's the problem. We end up wondering, well, do I matter at all? And what really is there to my life if I don't have what I do and who I know and, and what I own, what is left of me? You see, our identities then are super fragile. We're easily threatened by people who don't believe what we believe or don't live as we live. And we find that we don't have a really solid place where we can stand. Yet we also discover as Christ followers this isn't how God created us at all. Listen to how King David discovered. He, he sort of discovered this about himself. Because by the way, he was the least in his family. He said, when I consider your heavens, he's talking to the Lord, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you would care for them. Yet you made them a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You see, David has learned who he is in relation to the God who created him in his image. 
And not only that, filled him with honor and set glory upon him. Now today we ask, well, how can we who are living in this culture, right? Where, where as the winds shift, we sort of feel like we have to dodge and weave with our identity. How can we have a free and settled and stable identity in God? And why core to being a disciple and a follower of Jesus is receiving and living in this new identity that's given to us by him. Now we, today, that's what I want to look at with, with you. How where Jesus places his identity is a hint to where we place ours. Why we need this identity. And finally, well, how can I have it? How can I have this sort of life? Now, as I said, we're taking our next step of, in discipleship, learning about being followers of Jesus. And we're going through the Gospel of John where there's this longest teaching of Jesus recorded anywhere in the Bible. And it's about what it means to follow him. And today we see, well, how would Jesus, how would he identify himself? And the answer to how he was able to do all that he did. You ever wonder that? How in the midst of opposition did he remain faithful? How did he stay on mission? How did he endure rejection and criticism and all of the thing, all of those that opposed him? How did he do it? And I know some people have this idea that maybe he had some little something that we don't have. Now he, he, the scripture goes to links to point out that he's a human being like you are. Though he's God, he took on human flesh and entered into human life just like we do. Not with sin, but with all of the weaknesses and challenges. So how did Jesus, how was he able to do it? Our text begins with this question from Philip, one of the apostles of Jesus. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now, Jesus seizes on this question of Philip to reveal how, what, the truth about himself, how he's been able to live this life of resilience and strength and courage and goodness. He can do this because his identity is completely Secure. You see what he's done? He's really telling us about a new sort of identity. Jesus doesn't say, you know, I've really tried hard. I've be all you can be. This is how I've done it. And you've seen all I've done. He doesn't show a self-made identity built on his accomplishments. In fact, he doesn't really speak of himself at all. Instead, what we see Jesus doing is locating his identity completely in the Father. He says, if you want to see the Father, what do you, what do you think? You're, you're, you're with me. Look at me. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Further, he says this, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. You see, he knows who he is because of this intimate connection with the Father. Think about the way identity works. We cannot have a solid identity 
unless it's fixed to something that can be trusted, something that can't be threatened, something that can't be taken away. For example, if you've put your identity and your worth in your career, by the way, it's a huge temptation for me to do that, maybe for you, what will happen when that tanks? Or what will take place when you retire or can no longer work? And so the way I like to think about it is this. You are only as secure as the place where you locate or ground your identity. Let me say that again. You are only as secure as the place where you locate or ground your identity. You see, this is how Jesus could weather criticism and even plots against him. It is how he could face the cross. He knew who he was. He was in the Father, and nothing could touch that, no matter what it was. He had this assurance, by the way, from the beginning. I mean, I don't know if you remember that scene from the baptism of Jesus, the heavens open, and there's this voice that's heard, and this is the voice that says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So the father was there even though people were rejecting him and people were opposing him. He lived in the father and he was secure in the father. So he wasn't shattered when the disciples all fled him. He was not afraid when the religious leaders plotted to have him killed. And he never, you never hear Jesus defending himself. He didn't have to, he had nothing to defend. It was all his identity was all in the father. You see, we are seeing why we need to have our identity in Christ. Because this is the very opposite of us. We have these very fragile identities. The smallest slight can push us over the edge and send us reeling. We easily, look at how easily you become defensive with the people who are around you. Or, or how we have to rack up accomplishments and take pride in the stuff we have, our possessions. You see, we built our identities on things that aren't secure, like the approval of other people. What, what do you do when that person disapproves? Or the success of your children, or the positions or careers that we have. We can lose them, and because this is true, we can never be secure. I don't know, this week I thought about it because this woman, Madonna, was in the news. She came close to death, was in ICU. They thought at one point she was going to die. And I remember reading, so I went back to Vanity Fair. She gave an, an interview in which I think it's the only time I've ever heard her be totally honest in any kind of public way about herself. And it was stunning to go back and read it. This is what she said when she was asked about herself. She said, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and I think I'm, I'm mediocre and uninteresting. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Do you hear the vulnerability of being in control of making you into a somebody? Of making value for yourself and creating your own identity? You have to keep it going. You must prove yourself. You're easily threatened. By the way, you know, you know why she got sick? 
Because the people around her said she's threatened by Taylor Swift and had to work as hard as possible to keep up and compete with Taylor Swift. That's the truth. The result is this defensive and fragile self easily injured. What in the world would she be if she wasn't interesting? If she wasn't a somebody? And from this place, it's so difficult to love. It's difficult to risk. It's difficult to have real relationship. And we're not free. Remember how you define yourself will shape how you navigate your life. Now when I think of this, I'm like, why don't we just run to the Father? We were just singing that. Why, you know, if we need this place of security, why are we not heading to God? Why don't we do as Jesus did? And here's why I think it is. What we built is all we've got. We really believe that. What we've made of our lives, the positions we've reached, the success we've earned, the place we have, the, the respect we have in the, in the eyes of people, that's all we feel like we got. So how can we let go of this life we've created for ourselves? We cannot imagine life any other way. You know, I, I think of the man, as I'm thinking about this, who came up to Jesus. And by the way, he was like, he was like the most amazing guy. He was very wealthy already, which means he was super successful. He was a young guy. He still had so much of life ahead of him. He'd become somebody important in the eyes of the people. He was, he was a ruler. And he asked Jesus about finding life. This is what the gospel of Mark tells us. It says, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Don't you like that? Jesus loved this guy. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, your wealth is bad. You need to get rid of that. It's because it was his identity. Who would he be without his wealth? And Jesus loved him and wanted him free, and that's why he said that. You see, we're so invested in our own self-made identity, so afraid of losing it that we can't consider that there would be life anywhere else. And it's why Jesus said this, for whatever, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul. I mean, how are we going to walk away from something we've been using to help ourselves feel secure and that we're okay? We've been using to sort of justify our existence. How are we going to do that to, to establish? We use it to establish who we are. We can't. But I think there's even more to it than this. We don't trust that the Father is for us. We don't trust that we're really loved that much by God. So, so we say to ourselves, wow, what might happen if I really went all in with God, if I followed God? I'm not talking about becoming pastors or something or missionaries. I'm talking about, no, in the granular stuff of our lives, living for Christ wherever God has called you. What if I followed Jesus? I think that's where we're stuck. And this is precisely why Jesus came. This relationship with this, the Father, this fusion of his identity with the Father, do you know that he was willing to lay all of this aside at the cross to, to convince you and show you how much the Father loves you, how much the Father is for you? 
Yes, Jesus faced the loss of this connection to the Father at the cross so that you might know just how much God loves you. I remember watching the movie. I was with my son. It's not a movie I would recommend because it has a ton of violence in it entitled Blood Diamond. You'll see the playbill from it. And it tells about the, you know, the conflict diamonds of Africa and, and all of the violence surrounding them. And one of the subplots of the story, the one that really gripped me as I was there with my son, is the story of a young boy. His name is Dia. And Dia is stolen from his family and made into a child soldier by the rebels. Though he's young, he's traumatized to be made into a killer himself. And literally, you can see his transformation. But let me tell you, the moment he was taken, his father, his father's name is Solomon in the story, he goes in search of him. I mean, he will risk anything. He will go to where he will, could be killed to save his son. And one day he finds his son, and they're caught up in the scene of intense violence, and his son has a gun and is ready to even shoot him, his father. And it's like he's forgotten who he is. And who his father is. And his father just says, he says, you're, you're a good boy who loves soccer and school. He's trying to remind him he's a boy. And he walks up to his son Dia and his street tears are just streaming down his cheeks. And he says, your, your mother loves you so much. She, she waits by the fire with your sister, Nyanda, and the new baby. And Babu, the wild dog who minds no one but you. And, and now tears are coming down his son's face as if this connection is made. And finally he says, I, I know they made you do bad things, but you're not a bad boy. I am your father who loves you. And you will come home with me and be my son again. And when he hears that and sees that connection, I mean, here's this father who pursues him as willing to face even his own death to rescue him so that he can live in peace as his son. And I think that's our story, right? We have the father who's come after us. We've, we've forgotten that he created us and he loves us and who our father is and he's pursued us. He's like, wow, you're stuck in this stuff and it's, it's only wanting to pull you down and, and to take away your joy and your peace. And I'm here. And as a result of this, he's given us life to tell us how much we matter to him and we have a place with him and his family. And you see, the result of that is our, our identity is, is transformed. We can love because love is risky. We can face disapproval to do the right thing, right? We can do all of these things. And by the way, having more money doesn't give us greater value in ourselves. Having the respect of others may feel nice, but we don't live for that anymore because God has given us life. God is the one who has valued us. I love the way one man who experienced this explained. He said, our father rewrites our life stories with the ink of his cross. He takes our botched narratives full of self and fills them with Jesus. My son, he says, is now who you are. He is your story, your identity, and your everything. You see, that's discipleship. That's how we're able to live that life because it's found in Jesus who's in the Father. And by the way, that's why this whole section, it's, it's filled with all this father-son language because this is what happens. God isn't remote anymore, but now the one sustaining you and valuing you and you discover how much you matter to him and, and you become a part of what he's doing in the world. That's how Jesus says, you guys could do as much as I'm doing, even more. 
Here's, here's him, him explaining it. it. says, truly, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. He's not saying, hey, let me tell you how to work prayer with the Father. He's saying, no, when you have this relationship with the Father, you, you go to him in prayer and, and he hears your prayer and, and he wants to give you good things because you have life in your Father. You have the freedom of this new identity to give yourself away because you're secure. This is the pathway of discipleship. This is what we're called to. The Father will be glorified in the Son because you have your life in him, because you belong to Jesus. And of course, this is all by faith, all about trusting in him, seeing that your identity, who you really are, is you're a child of your heavenly Father. And you've heard him say to you, you're my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. You're my beloved son. This is why the Apostle Paul and other believers say things like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's the person who's so identified in Christ. It's like, you know, you're going to be okay. You know that if you're in Christ, God has your eternity planned. <laughs> he's going to take care of you. You cannot be lost. <laughs> and every day he's pouring his love into your life. Well, let me tell you what happened. I, I started with that German pastor, one of my spiritual heroes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. One day he was walking out and he was saying, who in the world am I to see a picture of him? And something happened. He could see beyond the prison to the skies and the creation and he remembered what Jesus had done for him and how the Father had loved him and redeemed him. And he said, who am I? They mock me these lonely questions of mine. Whatever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. I'm secure in you. Even here in prison where everything has been taken away, when we feel threatened, when we're afraid, I think it is to the Father, right? I know it is to the Father. To live the life we're called to live the, with the freedom that we need comes from knowing you're secure in him. No matter what, that is exactly who you are. You want to know who I am? I'm loved by God. I'm a child of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel. We forget, Lord. We go out of here into the city of Miami in the first intersection with other cars or, or the first crisis at work. And all we're doing is dodging and weaving, trying to get approval from people. We want people to think well of us or trying to succeed because somehow we believe that tells us who we really are. And then you show us the cross of Jesus where we learn how you valued us and loved us and we see all that Jesus has done to restore this relationship we have with you so that we really could love and serve and, and walk in such a way that we would have your joy. Lord, you know how, how many of us are hustling. We are hustling so hard. We don't wanna look mediocre. 
We have to be somebody. And then we discover that you valued us more in Jesus than we could accrue in all the things. Even if we gained the whole world, we would not have that. And all we can say is thank you, Lord. So as we prepare to come to this table, renew in us the truth of who we are in Jesus. And we pray together in Jesus' name, amen. today, I want us to think about for just a moment. Your identity, this meal, communicates to you how God feels about you. I think in one part of this meal, there's a confession. It's that we need Jesus. We can't do this ourselves. We don't create or generate salvation on our own. It is a gift from God that he has given to us, for us, because he values and he loves us. So there's a confession part of it. But there's also a huge comfort. It's that your heavenly father cares about you this much that he would give of himself, that there would be sacrifice, that there'd be an eternal security that we would find in him. And then you really start to see your identity come out. He's saying, you are mine. You are my daughter. You are my son. I have done what is necessary to bring you into my family. And now this is who you are. You are mine. And today as you take of these, this little piece of bread and you take of this little cup, these are images, reminders, a means of God's grace in our life to say, this is what I did for you. This is the price that you're bought with. And I invite you into my family. And it's a reminder of what he's done to us. And I think about that rich young ruler when Worth read that passage. And it says that he walks away and he was sad he was rich and he walks away sad. It's because his identity was so wrapped up in something that he honestly knew. Number one, it wasn't going to save him. And number two, for him, as he walks away and he's sad, he realizes he can't give it up. And that was who he was defined by. And I think for us as people, we come to this meal and God gave us this meal as a gift to remind us this is who you are. And you can be happy and secure because it's bought not because of what you did, but because of what he did. So today, as you take of this meal, be reminded of your identity and how it's found in Christ. And I'd be amiss if I didn't say this. The book of First and Second Corinthians tells us a lot about this meal and also gives us some directions of how to take this meal. And one of those parts of the directions is, a self-examination. And I think today we look and we ask ourselves, what is our identity? Where is it found? And I think we take great comfort in knowing what God has done, but we also see this of who the meal is set aside for. This meal is set aside for believers, people who have made that confession who said, this is what I need. I can't fix myself. I can't save myself. It's only in Christ that I can be a believer. So if you don't know Christ today, please do not take any pressure um, to take of this meal. But this meal is set aside for believers in Christ who, who know this. It's only because of grace.